0: What a good day. God is good. I'm so glad to be part of his family and to know that he is a heavenly father to me. I'm so delighted to have a have had a mother in my life. I get to go see her in about six weeks. We're having a little fake reunion, got people coming from different states where you converge on my mom's house and you go over to my sister's house and I was thinking this week about how great my mother has been for me. Not perfect, no, not perfect. She would be the first to tell you that. But she's been a a woman in my life, and most of you know my dad was out of my life from the time I was seven years old. But faith has been taught to me over and over, day after day, through my mother. It's not just words, it's through the example of her life. And and a woman who, who taught me how to pray. And that, that's the thing I want to focus on this morning is, is that prayer is for everyday people. And um, she, there was a time in my life, I was quite little, I don't remember it at all, but my ears weren't working the way they were supposed to work. I could hear, I suppose, but they just weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And so she and a group of her friends were meeting at, once a week at the local park. They'd get around a picnic table, and part of what they'd do is pray for me and my healing. And week after week went by, and nothing happened. And uh, they continued to pray. And I was going to have surgery, and my mom was really concerned about how the surgery would affect the rest of my life and my ability to do certain things. And um, she, uh, I was in a wagon, I think, at the hospital. I'm, I'm going to have to clarify the story, but uh, this is what she's told me that I remember. I was being pulled in the wagon heading to the uh, surgical room. And she interrupted the people taking me, and she said, Can we just check his ears one last time? It wasn't their normal protocol, and they tried to put her off and say, You know, we've been waiting, this is scheduled. She said, Can we just check them one more time? And they did, and whatever was wrong with them was not wrong anymore. It had been healed in that moment, and uh, or sometime. I don't know when it happened. But that's been a story that's stuck in our family, and it's one of the first things my mom trots out when she talks about the goodness of God. Now, there have been other prayers that have gone spoken and offered, and God hasn't intervened in the same way. And He said no to certain requests, and He has said wait on other requests. And so it's not about uh, always that God gives us what we want. But what I learned from my mom was how to pray, and it wasn't just about particular needs. But she also taught me how to pray when it came to school and and my sports and when I went off to college and praying about my future. And she's really been a person who has taught me how to pray. And what it's helped me understand, too, is that my mother is someone who has always been accessible to me in my life. I can always come to her no matter what is happening. In fact, I had a really rough first week of college and I sat in tears this back in the day of pay phones. Do you remember pay phones? I couldn't even find a private space because I didn't have a cell phone. They weren't around then. And I called my mom and in tears I poured my heart out to my mom because I knew she was always available to me. She was always someone who would listen to me and didn't always tell me what I wanted to hear. That made me mad. But <laughs> she would always tell me what she thought I needed to hear. We are people who need to go from learning examples of other people's prayers to becoming praying people. And and I know for most of you, your mothers, even if they haven't been religious people, have been people who have hoped things for you. Many of them have prayed things for you. And part of what I or what I want to focus on this morning is just how do we move from having the prayers of a mother or some other significant person in our life for us to becoming prayerful people. And for prayer being something that everyday people, regular old people do every day, it becomes part and parcel of our life and our life in God. Because here's what I learned is that if God was attentive... To an insignificant woman like my mother and an insignificant family like our family in an insignificant little town in an insignificant part of the country. If God is attentive to people like us, then he really is attentive. And the Bible tells us so. But if we never seem to find time to pray, what does that reveal about us? What does it reveal about me and my own sense of self-dependence? If if I'm not in a regular habit of, of lifting my voice and my heart to God, my thoughts to God, what does it say about whether I'm dependent on God? You know when your gas light in your car pops on or it tells you it needs a new charge. Do you ever ignore that? You might for an hour or a few miles... But you'll find a gas station or you'll find an electrical outlet because you know your car needs it. You don't ignore those things, but prayer is something it's really easy for us to ignore. And I think often it reflects that I'm not dependent really on God. I I don't see a need deep in my life for God's presence in my life. If we don't see God as someone we really want to spend time with, what does that say about my understanding of God being a personal God who knows me by name. I could go on with other examples. Believe it or not, God wants a strong and meaningful relationship with you. We talked about that last week. That relationship is fostered in a vibrant prayer life. And it's a prayer life that's not just particular moments of the day that you might carve out. And That's important, but it's it's learning to pray all the time in your life. Open your Bibles, would you, to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. There's another version of this uh, teaching by Jesus about prayer in, in Matthew's Gospel in the Sermon on the Mount. There you'll find a little longer uh, version of this prayer, but Jesus gives us a, a bit of a framework for how to pray. And I want to read this, but I don't want to unpack this framework because I want to look at some of the verses that flow after it, because here's what I'm aiming at, is I'm aiming at us being able to look today at how Jesus describes the character of God as we pray, how Jesus describes who God is in the midst of our prayer life, the type of the type of being that we lift our hearts and entrust our lives to. We'll look at that in a minute. But here's how this passage begins. Luke chapter 11. The Bible says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, I just want to pause there. Could you imagine a better teacher The guy us in prayer? My mother was great, but I tell you, I love that Jesus. Sit beside me and to tell me how to pray. Oh wait, he has It's right here in Luke 11. Let's listen. One of his disciples comes and he says to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. This is what Jesus said to him. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation We're going to pause there for just a quick moment. Then we're going to, well, let's just keep reading. Then Jesus said to them. So he's trying to amplify what he's just told them in a structure of prayer. He says, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and he says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. He's a really good friend, right? Don't bug me! The door's already locked and my children are with me in the bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Why do we pray? Why does Jesus invite us to pray? And what motivates our prayer life? And this is really important. If you leave here remembering only one thing, this is what I hope, God may have something else for you to remember, but this is what I hope you might remember, is that if your prayer life is going to be vibrant and dynamic and regular and consistent and filled with joy and filled with hope and fervency, It is so critical that you understand that God pays attention to you, that God is attentive to you, and it's so important that you understand that God is a willing and generous giver of Himself to you. That God pays attention to you, and that He's a willing and generous giver to you. That's what I think is the crux of what Jesus is telling us about the nature and character of the living God. So we pray because God is attentive. Michael Card, some of you know the name Michael Card. He has been writing songs and talking about Jesus and his songs for a lot of years. He tells the story when he was a little boy and how his dad was an important man, had an important job. And when his dad would come home at night, his dad had a home office. And he'd often come in the front door, and he'd go straight to his home office to finish the work that he had brought home. And he'd close the door behind him, and he would lock the door. And Michael Martin, this young boy, would go and sit at that door. And he would cry. And he would knock on the door, and he would ask his dad to come out and be with him. And he so longed for the affection and the attention of his father. And I'm here to tell you what Jesus is here to tell you, is that God is not like that. The Bible pictures God as a heavenly father, but not one who goes and locks himself away in another room. But God is a father to you as one who pays attention to you. He's attentive to you. He knows what's happening in your life and he cares. In fact, Isaiah chapter 49 verse 15 says this. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you, God says. He is attentive to you and he cares for you. God is not like Michael Card's father. The parable of this inhospitable friend, or uh, in a few chapters in Luke chapter 18, you might remember the story of the the unjust judge and the widow who kept persistently coming in prayer. And uh, the judge wasn't a good guy, and so he wasn't going to do anything for her. But out of her persistence, he finally relents. What Jesus is saying is that even though there might be people uh, as anecdotes in your, your life and world who aren't generous to you, God is not like that. God is one who cares and is paying attention to your life and is a willing and generous person to you. We are called to persist in our prayers. Certainly, you know, people of a century or so ago... They would write about and talk about uh, issues and areas of life and political concern and world need and personal need. And and they would talk about the the need to pray and to pray fervently and and to pray persistently. Here's the phrase they would use. They they would encourage others to pray through the situation. And I don't know about you, but when I pray, I kind of, it's easy for me to get sort of an attitude that, well, God, I have set aside this time for you. And I have offered these words to you, and I've lived them in my heart. And now I expect a response. Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever had an attitude like that? I, here's what I suppose. If you've never prayed or had an attitude like that, I'm guessing one of two things. Never mind. No. <laughs> It's just me, I suppose. But we are so used to having instant response in life, and God invites us to persistence in our prayers. Not because He's trying to toy with us or to tease us. Because what happens in our persistence is that we are drawn deeper into the life of God. What What is the goal of asking and seeking and knocking? I don't think Jesus is talking about if you do that persistently, then you're going to get what you've been asking for. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is is that you learn more about the life and the love of God the Father. As you learn to be persistent in your prayer life. It's an invitation to pray through when things don't respond instantly. When things that are broken aren't repaired instantly. When relationships that are out of whack don't suddenly get back unified instantly. When your financial need isn't instantly met. Whatever it is, we are called to be persistent in our prayer. And we're called to do that to a God who is attentive in the midst of our particular needs. But God is generous. God is generous. Which of you, verse 11 says, which of you fathers, which of you mothers, if your son asks for a fish, would you give them a snake instead? Or if he asks you for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you then know, even though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him? This is an invitation into the depth of God. We were at, some of us, at a a conference over in Sacramento a couple weeks ago. And one of the pastors was from Canada and he was talking about um, how embarrassing it is for him to be a pastor with Tourette's Syndrome. And he talked about how uh, his preaching ministry has grown... And now he's sort of broadcast in different places in Canada... And how personally it's embarrassing... When he's up in front of people, thousands of people... And he's twitching and words flat of his mouth... That he's not intending to speak... And he said he's prayed that God would remove that thorn from him... You remember that was a prayer Paul prayed... And you remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians... He said, God has not removed that from me... But Paul said that in my weakness... It's when I recognize my weaknesses that God is now made strong in me. Because when I come to the end of myself, that's where God, boy, God is unleashed through us. You see, I'm at the front of this line, but I think there's a long line in Christian communities of people who are dependent upon themselves to do the work of the Lord, dependent on themselves to meet the needs. Of the poor dependent upon themselves to witness to the good news of Jesus rather than being dependent on God, rather than recognizing our weaknesses and allowing God to work through. This pastor says, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed because it's embarrassing, he said. When I'm up there twitching and having the response to the stretch syndrome, and he said, God has said to me no. And we're all like, Whoa. Because if anything happens through my ministry, I know it's not because of anything great I am or I have done. It. it is because of the call of God in the lives of people. So who gives the credit and the Lord because of it? Certainly not Him. It's God. And I have other stories that I could share with you like that. But we pray through, we are called to persistence in our prayer because through it we learn the texture of a relationship with God. We, we will dive into the character and the love and the grace of God like we won't know otherwise. You see, God calls us, and when He does, He adopts us into His family. God calls us His Father. Here, I'm going to wrap up Here is that prayer, because God is our Father and you are a son or a daughter, if indeed you have opened your life and received His forgiveness, you become a son or a daughter. Will has become a son of the living God. God is now His heavenly Father. And when we pray... Hear me, when we pray, we get to enter into, we join in the fellowship of a triune God. The Bible describes God as one God in three persons. One God, three persons. They're distinguishable, Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but they're inseparable. It's one God in three persons, and God is in fellowship with Himself. And when you and I pray, we enter into that fellowship. It's an amazing thought. Note down Romans chapter 8. Go back and read that this week. Because the, the relationship that God the Father has with God the Son, when we come to God in prayer, it's the Son that brings us into the presence of the Father, and the Spirit is also there helping us, Romans 8 tells us. Romans 8 describes how Jesus, God the Son, is interceding for us. And He brings us into the presence of the Father. The Holy Spirit is there. and The Spirit is also interceding for us to help us. So that we, even though we don't know what to pray sometimes, and we don't know how to formulate the words, I want you to know that's okay. Because the Spirit Himself is interceding on your behalf. And so when you pray, you're entering into the fellowship of the triune God. Prayer is not just some simple little rinky-dink thing. It's an amazing invitation of God. And it's how we know the heart of God. And it's how God's heart and mind gets into you and me in the warmth and roof of life and living. Note Romans 8. Go back and enjoy reading that. You know, God's desire for you and me is for intimacy. It's for spiritual closeness. God wants to be near you. And sometimes we think we if we just formulate the right words in prayer, if I put them in the right sequence, or if I take the model prayer that Jesus gave and I, I just say that, then suddenly it somehow feeds God's ears in a particular way. But that's not what God wants. Fancy words do not draw us to intimacy. If so, Pepe LePew would have would have had great relationships. you remember Pepe Le Pew, the old cartoon, the stump? He would speak with a French accent, right? I love Pepe Le Pew, and I love uh, French people. I lived there in France. And it was so great that Pepe Le Pew knew how to speak fancy words, but he didn't know what intimacy was. And so it's not the words or the structure or to try to impress other people with what we know. But God wants to draw you into intimacy with Himself because you are a son or a daughter if you've received the work of Jesus on the cross to forgive and cleanse you of your sin. And He now is your Father. And as you pray, you enter into the fellowship of intimacy within the Godhead. And you learn to pray because you learn to trust that God is attentive to you. He pays attention to you. And He's aware of your life. He's aware of your needs and your desires. And He wants to shape those things. And He is a God who is willing and generous to give to you. This is the God to whom we pray. Your prayer will flower as you grow in your appreciation that God is attentive and God is a willing and generous provider for your life. Lord, we pray this morning that the words of Jesus would settle into our minds and hearts, that You would give shape to our understanding of who You are, that You would help us learn how to pray and to be people of prayer. Sometimes those prayers are prayers of intercession for other people. Sometimes they're prayers of requesting healing or uh, the provision of a need. And often the prayers are just prayers that that join us in intimacy with You, having conversation with You, delighting in Your presence. So grow us to believe even more that You are attentive and that You are a willing and generous Father. And we pray it out of trust in these things. We want to grow in these so that we can become more and more like Jesus. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.